0: Hi everyone, Judge Andrew Napolitano here for judging freedom. Today is Tuesday, September twelfth, two thousand and twenty-three. Lieutenant Colonel uh, Tony Schaefer joins us now. Tony, thank you very much uh, for uh, joining us again. Always well, going to be here. What George. do you what do you make of the uh, wisdom or potential danger for the U.S. and U.K. and various other uh, countries with smaller navies engaging in war games? In the Black Sea,
1: I mean, is that trying to provoke the bear? No doubt. I mean, <clears throat> there's certain cultural and regional—I um, don't—I don't, I don't want to say traditions. It's Not—it's not the right, right word. There's just basic uh, taboos, if you will, that militaries generally follow to not have the perception that you're trying to provoke someone. Uh, you can be very antagonistic by running your Navy around uh, areas which a, a country believes is theirs. I mean, look, uh, I don't believe for a minute the Russians would be running uh, their, a, a series of, of exercises in in uh, just off Miami or down by Key West. It, it just would not go over well. I just, I'm just i pretty sure, Judge, the U.S. Navy would have a problem with with five uh, Russian cruisers cruising around, you know, oogling the girls on the beach in, in Key West. I just don't think it would work. So you start doing that in Black Sea, yeah, I think you're going to, to, to raise the ire of uh, those who have traditionally had dominance within the region. And the only reason you would do that is to basically to antagonize someone. I do believe that. In terms of chain of command, Tony,
0: how high up uh, would a, an exercise like this uh, have to be approved and how expensive oh, would it be? It, are we talking it, about the president or are we talking about the chief of naval operations? Somebody had to approve sending all, these, all this personnel and heavy equipment
1: there. The the CNO would have to approve it, and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs would have to essentially uh, direct it. Uh, And that would be briefed to the White House. Would President uh, Biden know? Probably not. Uh, Jake Sullivan would, would most certainly know. This is something that you would not necessarily bring to a president, but you would have the staff advised because naturally people like us are going to talk about it and there'll be things reported about it. So this is why the White House is aware now, uh, things like this are usually planned well in advance. Uh, there's a number of working groups, both at UCOM. This is going to be done under the auspices of the European Command. That means it was done as a as as an as a uh, as a, uh, a function of of UCOM and NATO. Nothing happens in, in UCOM without NATO being at least briefed or vice versa. So this was fully uh, sanctioned, at least briefed to all European leaders as well. So there's a lot of, of, of uh, folks who were briefed in advance on this. Anybody who was, a, uh, any NATO nation who participates in uh, activities in Belgium in the headquarters was aware of this.
0: And and when they say war games, yeah, what, what does that mean? Does
1: somebody play? the adversary there's two two categories of of war games there's a, a an ftx uh which is basically a, a a tabletop exercise basically you really don't get into doing anything it's all like you pick up the phone and call and you pretend it's, it's a game of pretend actual military exercises like we're talking about is where you put ships in the water you have airplanes which can be either armed with actual or inert weapons and you pretend that someone's a bad guy generally speaking you try not to use red or, or blue you try to use red or uh, blue or orange you don't want to offend people but then you can do actual exercises over a period of time these things generally run uh, a week to 10 days and you do everything you would otherwise do in combat over that time and, and generally you have referees raiders and things like that trying to evaluate how effective your response is to certain military inputs that are given to you by the exercise controllers. Would the Navy have live
0: rounds in their big guns aboard their ships when they're doing this?
1: The answer is, it depends. There are live fire exercises, Judge, where you will have essentially a full uh, uh, simulated exchange of, 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 of uh Fire. You will not fire on other ships with live ammunition. You will simulate that. It doesn't, but you still can do live fire exercises against drones or other inert targets to try to test uh, the readiness and capability to respond to something. So, so the answer is I don't know what they're doing in this case.
0: Okay. So well, you probably know what I'm driving at. I mean, in in the Black Sea, where there are many ports. Yes um uh and where the turks are very happy to receive all the grain they can because they're the king of the hill when it comes to turning grain into flour right um ukrainian ships are going to try and get through uh with grain and russian ships are going to try
1: and stop them what is the u.s navy going to do sit back and watch well again it depends on the policy right now the, the policy is to avoid direct confrontation between the two navies. Uh, Russia has been far more aggressive going after our, our, our ships than theirs. I mean, they've done b- flyovers, and I know Doug's not going to like Doug, Doug McGregor's not going to like this, but yes, the Russians behave very aggressively around us. And they've done very aggressive things, very dangerous things, uh, like taking down drones. I mean, that's not that dangerous, but it's very provocative. So it, we are back to kind of a cold War gamesmanship. With that said, Biden does not want to see an escalation that he can't control. He wants to be he he wants to have his cake and eat it, too, Judge. That is Biden. He wants to have sufficient military uh, stress and friction that he can say, look, I'm a wartime president. Look at me. At the same time, he doesn't want to get out of control where it goes down an avenue he can't control, like nuclear weapons or all out uh, firefights between ships in in, in the ocean. So that's why I think the Biden administration's playing this very close to the chest. But they're trying very hard to not have a direct confrontation, which would require actual gunfire between uh ships in, in the water. So
0: well, then why do they have ships there with live rounds if they don't want direct uh confrontation? Well,
1: uh, there they're may because the, the navy's probably been told the Navy, is prepared. the black is the Black Sea a Russian lake or is the middle of it international waters, Tony? Well, technically it's international waters, but it's one of those it's like I said, it's like uh Being off the territory of in the United States, you know, going to hang around. So, yeah. All right. Colonel uh, McGregor
0: uh, reports from sources that he believes are credible and therefore what he's saying is credible. Yeah. That the Ukrainians have lost 450,000 human beings, about 387,000 troops. uh, And the rest volunteers, I say in air quotes and even foreign uh, mercenaries. Uh, Scott Ritter reports from his sources, one of which is the documents that uh, were released by supposedly by the young uh, guardsmen in uh, Cape Cod, uh, that the kill ratio was seven to one. Okay, if the Ukrainians have lost 450,000 and the kill ratio was seven to one, the Russians have lost maybe 50 or 60. How can the
1: Ukrainians survive this? Well, they can't. I mean, I, I, my my estimate is 60,000 60, 60, casualties by the Russians. I think that's accurate. I cannot even begin to, to – to, I don't have direct sources like those guys do, and I have to go with them. I, but I suspect it's well over 100,000. I think Doug is probably very close to accurate because Zelensky himself, judge, is now talking about another call-up. And uh, I've seen accounts, read accounts, seen, uh, you know, where you're, you're finding senior citizens on the battlefield. And look, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm nearly turning 61 next month and I'd be happy to go serve. But in, mm-hmm. and, and well, in you a don't,
0: you know, you don't look at our It but Ritter reports 16 year olds and 60 year. Right. Exactly.
1: And 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 I can tell you that that's not a sign of a healthy army. Look, I have said this before on the show. I've gotten in trouble, I think, by saying it. This is what happened. Right before Nazi Germany fell, uh, they were down to uh, calling up uh, senior citizens, old people and young kids. And if, if Zelensky's going in that direction, they've got nothing left. And I think this is Putin's strategy. I keep saying this. It's a numbers game at this point, Judge. It has nothing to do how anybody feels. It doesn't matter how anybody feels. You, you can feel good or bad. The bottom line is the Russians have, have been able to use attrition to gr- a great strategic effect to diminish both the technology uh, benefits of the technology we've given them. They've been able to, to basically kind of outfox them. And then at the same time, let them use their, their combat power uselessly against uh, layered defenses, which has resulted in essentially nothing left for, uh, for the offensive to be used to prevail. And, and by the way, in about uh, two sure. weeks, three weeks, uh, you're going to have rainy season. So when rainy season arrives, it's going to be just like uh, Burning Man without the hot chicks and tanks.
0: <laughs> all right, you're talking about layered defenses. We all know what that is. Do you believe the nonsense in the Wall Street Journal, the only Western media that reports it, but they report it regularly, consistently, and systematically? I say this, I'm going have friends there. You have friends there, but they keep reporting it. That the the first yeah. of the three so layered defenses other, I, has been breached by the Ukrainians.
1: There's no evidence of that. There's, there's just actually, right. yeah, if, if there was evidence of that, guess what would be going on, Judge? They'd be like out there with cameras showing it. it's like, hey, look at this big hole. <laughs> look, right. at, look at what we did. They're not doing it. Right. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way?
0: All right, here is President Zelensky over the weekend uh, saying basically that the Ukrainian front lines are moving eastward. I want you to listen to this, Tony, with your trained ear and tell me if you think there's any truth in this, if this is intended to enhance uh, military morale or if this is just for public Ukrainian political consumption.
1: Mm -hmm. Fellow Ukrainians, at the end of this week, it is important to say a few things. First of all, the front line. Over the past seven days, we have advanced. There is movement in the Tavria directions. There is movement in the Bakhmut direction. Kupiansk and Lyman directions, Avdivka and Mariinka, we are holding our ground there. I am grateful to all the warriors who make this possible. Every week, our warriors continuously keep the initiative in the hands of Ukraine. It is Ukrainian heroism that determines how this war will end.
0: Now, when he says that, does anybody in Brussels or uh, Whitehall or the West Wing take that uh, with credibility?
1: No. Look, how many times have they reported uh, having seized and, and continued to maintain control of villages? Come on, Judge, we're, we're, we're uh, three going on four months into the offensive. And um, what do they have to show for it? They, they have literally been able to secure no village They've not been able to secure more than a handful of kilometers on the outer edge of the third layer of the Russian layer defenses. So I just don't know what he's saying. I think maybe he's saying that for purposes of um, morale. But anybody who takes that to the bank will be essentially uh, going home with no money because there's no no evidence of what he's saying is actually factually uh, sustainable or accurate. Here's uh, General
0: Milley. I believe he's standing next to his British uh, counterpart. The, the other gentleman doesn't say anything, and I'm not sure it's an American uniform. You'll know. Um, thing, almost the same thing. We don't know which way it's going, but we see some see some movement
2: and we're optimistic. Yeah, the Ukrainians have achieved very steady progress and they've maintained uh, a depth of combat power that is significant. And there's still a reasonable amount of time, probably about 30 to 45 days, worth of uh, fighting weather left. So the Ukrainians aren't done. This battle's not done. And they haven't achieved, uh, they haven't uh, finished the fighting part of what they're trying to accomplish. So we'll see. It's too early to say how this is gonna end. They at least have achieved partial success in what they set out to do. Uh, And then uh, we'll get the cold, as you mentioned. It'll start, uh, the, 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 the rains will come in. It'll become very muddy and it'll be very difficult to maneuver at that point. And then you'll get the deep winter. Uh, and then at that point, we'll see where things go. But right now, uh, it is way too early to say that this offensive is failed or not failed. Uh, there's still heavy fighting going on. Uh, the Ukrainians are still plugging away with steady progress uh, through the, uh, through the, uh, the various defensive belts that the Russians have put in place.
0: So bad, that cannot be true. We could not have said that under oath. Steady progress through the various defensive belts. We know what those three belts are,
1: right. So, judge, this is um, this is just more evidence that the, the Department of Defense, and by the way, the Defense Intelligence Agency had one of their analysts do a interview with one of the British papers. Uh, uh, and this the senior DI analyst said there was a he said there was significant evidence of potential uh, favorable outcome because they may there may be a forty to fifty percent chance that by the fall, by November, december, by by winter, ukrainians will prevail it's like it's it's constant it's constant projection and aspirational thinking there there is it's it's all vaporware to use a term we used to use when we saw people coming with information that had no substance it's all vaporware at this point and there's no there's no evidence judge take my word for this if any of this was true you would have reporters out there Running this 24-7 on CNN, showing the progress. There's no such thing going on. The Daily
0: Caller and The
1: Economist
0: each have some interesting uh, reports this morning. The Daily Caller reports that Ukrainian central bankers, some of whom were fired by Zelensky, acknowledge bribery and graft. And of course, they claim that the biggest grafter there is Zelensky himself. Yeah. And The Economist... Maybe the most widely read and credible, uh, our friends at the Financial Times do want to hear this, uh, international um, uh, reporter, they call themselves a newspaper, but to us, they're a magazine, reports about UK assassinations of dissidents by the SBU. Maybe start with that one. SBU is the Ukrainian um, Intelligence Security Services. They're Mossad. Yeah,
1: they're like the KGB yeah they're, they're 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 their version of the KGB so they do are
0: are they assassinating Ukrainian dissidents as The
1: Economist claims let me let me put it this way and I've said this over and over Russia, the Russians and Ukrainians are cut from the same Soviet cloth. The same bolt of cloth that both nations are cut out of is, is, is so they have oligarchs on both sides. they use the same basic uh, philosophy and techniques. And yes, I have. I believe that Zelensky and the SFB or whatever their service is would do the exact same things as Putin does. Putin assassinates people. Their FSB assassinates people. I'm sure the Ukrainian does too. So if this, if the, I would always go with two sources, but I would say this, that the facts are very likely correct in this that there's probably assassinations of, of folks going on. The Russians do it, and I'm sure the Ukrainians do it. Is Zelensky himself involved in the type of graft
0: for which uh, Ukraine has this awful reputation?
1: Well, according to Cy Hirsch, and I believe Cy, I think, yeah, I think he is. I think, look, uh, you don't get to be the king uh, of the the oligarchs and and all the nonsense if you don't uh, partake in that. It's like, do you really think, uh, let's just use an example, Hugh Hefner. Do you think Hugh Hefner was uh, a priest at the Playboy Mansion? When he was running around with all those those uh, Playboy girls, I don't think so. So, if you got a guy in the middle of corruption, do you think he's not corrupt? I, I there's no doubt in my mind that uh, Zelensky is in the middle of all that stuff that's going and, on. And yet, uh, your
0: friends in the intelligence community, particularly the CIA, uh, as well as our friends—I say that in quotes—in Congress yeah. are effectively financing yeah. the Ukraine government paying their bills, paying for health care for Ukrainian veterans, for uh, wounded troops, and financing the
1: corruption, and doing so knowingly. Tony Blinken pledged another $1 billion. Of that $300 million goes to internal security and police. Now, Judge, last time I, I checked, we have a border problem that we don't have fixed. The people of Maui are getting $700 per person. I think Doug did the was it oh no my friend Blaine Holt General Holt you've probably seen him because we he you played a clip of him once Blaine yeah. estimated that each that that we are paying per Ukrainian citizen in that tranche thirty seven hundred dollars so people of Maui get seven hundred yet if you add it all up we are paying per Ukrainian person thirty seven hundred dollars for for whatever they're doing how is that even logical within the context of what our people need and versus the fact that I don't think there's going to be any positive outcome for, for what we're funding regarding the war. You so, and I,
0: I have know. a lot of friends in the Congress, particularly on the uh, Republican side. And, man, they are silent when it comes to. Men. I know.
1: I don't get it. Oh, by
0: another twenty eight billion. I just can't see a Republican House of Representatives giving him that. Can you? No,
1: I, I don't. And, and again, uh, you've got people who are going to be very vocal about this. But the problem is this even some of the friends that we have still get certain money from certain organizations that they're, it's hard to say no to. And that's the military industrial congressional complex. There you go. And, and I, I got to tell you, I you mean, know, Eisenhower called it, you and I've spoken about this both in person and, and here on your show. Uh, it's, it's very difficult when, when you have so much money floating around, uh, you know, and McConnell, Blurted out. Leader McConnell uh, finally admitted that all that 113 billion dollars, most of that's going to be spent in Washington supporting defense industry. So it's hard. It, it, I, I, it's not hard for me. I don't. I'm not on the take. We don't get any money. My think, think tank. We don't. I don't get any money from those folks. I'm just saying. Some of those folks. And by the way, big think tanks, uh, center, the Institute of War, uh, Heritage. They all get money from those folks. So you know. Wow. No.
0: Well, were you surprised? Last question, because I have to run. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When uh, Putin said last night that the Soviet invasions of Hungary and Czechoslovakia were wrong.
1: Well, I think (laughs) he was a, a child when that happened. I think he's he was someone who really did want good relations with the West. Uh, did he have concerns and want to bring back the Soviet empire as it was during his time in KGB? I think so. But he wanted to do it in such a way that he actually was telling people what he was going to do. So, yeah, I think kind of looking back and figuring out that maybe that that wasn't the best move is a good thing. He's he's kinder and gentler. As far as I, every time I hear uh, people like uh, uh, Victoria Newland and uh, uh, who are these knuckleheads? Uh, Jake Sullivan. um uh, Jennifer Rubin, I'll call for his removal. You don't understand. He's he's a moderate compared to the Correct. folks who take his place. Correct. So, yeah. Correct. I mean, I, I'm, insane. I'm like in sync. I'm in sync. Yeah, a lot of Russians yeah. do like he's too timid. I'm just telling you, be careful what you wish for, because his replacement's not going to be the good, you know, I, Putin's not a good guy, but I'm saying the replacement would be an order of magnitude worse. So,
0: Tony Schaefer, always a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Judge. Good to be here. Thanks. Sure. Thank you for watching. Uh, we'll be back at 4 o'clock. Uh, Excuse me, at 3.30 Eastern uh, with uh, Larry Johnson. I'm about to jump on to um, uh, Newsmax right now. We'll see you shortly, Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.